This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, I want to begin just by praising the Lord. Just by giving testimony of what He's done this week. God is still in the saving business. He still saves people. Um, Last Sunday... Um, I think it was around time that our church was maybe getting over at uh, Panama. I got a text from someone that uh, I had met as we started planting the church there. They didn't attend, um, but uh, he just needed someone to talk to. And uh, I already had plans the next day. Um, he said it didn't have to be tonight. And, and so uh, I scheduled that I would go see him on the Tuesday. And I went to go see him on Tuesday. And uh, he is really going through a lot right now, and it's not good. But I listened to him. I listened to him for probably an hour. And uh, the things that he's going through have legal implications. He probably needs some kind of uh, counseling, too. And I told him, I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not a professional counselor. I'm a pastor, and I'm going to share the gospel with you. I shared the gospel with him, and he trusted Christ this week, this Tuesday, um, we have been working in Panama trying to plant the church there for four and a half years. I've known him uh, since we first got started, and uh, it's, it seemed like there was no interest at all. And yet, uh, at a time whenever he came to a point in his life where he needed someone to talk to, he told me he'd been watching all along. And, uh, and he came and he asked me to come and talk to him and he trusted in Christ. So amen. The Lord has, is doing good things. The Lord is saving people even today. He went from, his, from dead in his trespasses and sins to alive in Christ. Amen. All right. Well, today we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. And uh, what we see in this text, a lot of it is... Uh, Peter is rehashing what he's already gone over in the book. Um, He talks about how um, we are to rejoice in the suffering that we go through. Um, And and, uh, how that suffering works as a refiner's fire in our lives. It's kind of referenced in the the passage that uh, Tom read from. Um, he, uh, he, he, there's a lot of things that we will see that we've already talked about as we've gone through the book of first Peter. And, uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in, uh, with verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when, in, when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him, be, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorif- glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, 
What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will, be the, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are still working in the lives of people today, bringing them to faith in Christ. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we open your word this morning. Feed us on your word. Lord, give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter begins here, beloved. He's done this before. Uh, I just said one word. You heard me right. <laughs> He's done this before. In another, in another passage, he, he just began, beloved. And I want to linger there for just a minute before I go on to what he's saying here. Uh, as it, we could easily just go right on past it because it's just a, it's just a greeting. It's just what he's addressing his, his uh, uh, audience with. But let's remember what he's calling us. Beloved. Believer, uh, we are loved by God. Amen? He loves us. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Did you guys sing that just now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, he loves us. And so Peter addresses us as beloved. He tells us, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Basically, what we need to see from here is suffering and trials and tribulations are normal. That is what we face. That's life for the Christian. We suffer. We have tribulations. We have trials. Jesus promised us that we would have trials and tribulations. He said, if they hated me, they'll hate you too. What a blessing. Amen? Amen. Don't be surprised. God told us we were going to have this. We don't need to surprise when it comes. You know, sometimes we may get the idea, you know, if we, if we listen to any of these uh, uh, prosperity preachers out there, that, that all of you come to Jesus, that everything's all roses from there. But no, it's not the truth. And a real, true Christians know it. When we come to Christ, sometimes life gets harder. <laughs> Amen? Don't be surprised. We need to expect the fact that life will be hard and that we will experience suffering as believers. Don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes to test you. What is this fiery trial coming to do? To test us. To test us. And by testing I don't think that this is talking about a test like you take in school, uh, where it's testing to see if you understand the concepts. The testing it's talking about is like when you're testing gold or silver after it's been through the refiner's fire. It's, uh, testing, for it's for testing for purity. It's um, when fire is 
te- uh, testing gold or silver. It's burning away the impurities and leaving gold. It's leaving that pure, valuable substance. So we're not to be surprised at this fiery trial. He promised it was coming. And it's coming upon us for a purpose. Our, our suffering, our trials are not empty. They have a purpose behind them. God is using us, using those things to burn away sin in our lives, to burn away all the impurities within us so that we will come out like gold on the other side. Peter here tells us, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though it were something strange happening to you. It's not strange. It's normal. Like I had already said, it's normal for us to experience suffering. But here's where he goes over the edge. Oh yeah, we can, we can maybe handle this. Don't be surprised. Okay, I know. I can, I can expect suffering's going to come. But Peter, what do you mean here? But rejoice. (laughs) Rejoice in the midst of suffering. Well, he's already told us this in the earlier chapters. In chapter 1, he said, um, verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Like I said, he's bringing up things he's already talked about, but here um, we rejoice. We can rejoice. We don't respond to suffering as believers in the same way as unbelievers around us. When suffering comes and when we suffer righteously, we can rejoice. We can say, God is doing this to make me more like Jesus. We can say, we are following in Jesus' steps. God has counted us worthy to suffer for His name. And for those reasons, we can rejoice. We can rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. One of the other things that takes place when we are suffering in the midst of trials and temptations and and struggles and all of those things, when we can rejoice in the midst of the suffering of this life, who gets the glory? God gets the glory. People look at our lives and say, how can you do that? How can you rejoice in the midst of suffering? And we can say, it's all Him. It's all Him. He's the only way I can rejoice in the midst of this suffering. Verse 14, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Who likes to get insulted? We hear that old phrase, uh, uh, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me, right? But uh, we all know, it does, no, it, nobody likes to be called names. Nobody likes to be insulted. But we will be insulted for the name of Jesus. People will call us when... And, and, and you know, I, I always bring this up because that is what's a part of our cultural moment. You know, in a different... Different uh, time frame, maybe I'd bring something else up. But when it comes to the homosexuality issues, if we state this is what the Bible says, people are going to call us hateful and bigots. 
Nothing about wanting to pick on that particular sin. It's just that's what's in, the, in our face is the culture right now. And people will call us those things, but we can rejoice and be glad because He gets the glory. If, if we're insulted for the name of Christ, we are blessed. Blessed are you, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when people cast insults against you and, and uh, revile you. In fact, I'll turn to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in the Beatitudes in, the, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Peter here is again reminding us of what Jesus taught. If we're blessed, if we're suffering for the name of Christ, we are blessed. And he says, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. We have his spirit within us comforting us. We have his spirit within us. It's, it's upon us. And, and we know we're not alone in our suffering. The man that I uh, shared the gospel with and, and he trusted in Jesus, you know, he has some earthly consequences to face for some of the things that he had done that brought me in to talk to him. But you know what? Even though he's suffering for things that he truly did, he's going to have Jesus with him as he goes through it all. Amen? And when we suffer, he's with us. Jesus, the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. That's, we read this and we think, well, duh, <laughs> right? Isn't that the case? You know, we, 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 we're, yeah, we don't want to be suffering for those things. Um, uh, and and it, it, we do still, if, if we, you know, like this young man that uh, trusted in Christ, he's got some things that, like I said, they're, they're uh, legal complications and things that he's going to be uh, dealing with. But at the same time, uh, those, those things don't go away. They, they, our, our consequences in this life don't necessarily go away just because we have trusted in Christ. I think this is not so much talking about what we have already done, though, but it's calling us to what we will do. Uh, he's saying, let not anyone suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Uh, so the point here is not to say, well, you're still going to suffer for what you've done. The point here is say is to motivate our behavior so that in the future, if we're going to suffer, it's not going to be for those things. If we suffer in the future, it's going to be because we stand for the name of Jesus. Verse 16. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. I don't think here it necessarily even qualifies that to only suffering for righteousness. If we suffer as a Christian, if we are believers, 
Whether we suffer because we're being persecuted or whether we suffer because of sins that we are are, uh, facing consequences for or whether we are suffering disease or any other kind of suffering. If we're suffering as a Christian, we don't any longer have to be ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed whenever the lost world looks at us and calls us hateful. Because we have Jesus. We don't have to be ashamed thinking, well, maybe I've got this disease, this cancer, this whatever, because of sins that I committed. We don't have to be ashamed even for the sins that we've done in our past because Jesus has washed us clean. We no longer have to experience shame when we suffer. Let none of you... uh, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. We might, we might think of uh, someone who's, who's maybe gone to prison for something that they've done in their past and they've, they've trusted in Christ. Even that person can say, God... Though I, though I was a, a sinner, uh, though I may have been the chief of sinners like Paul said, God forgave me. God forgave me and I, He made me a new person. I'm not what I used to be. Let Him glorify God in that name. For, here verse 17, this I think is where we're starting to jump into things that are new. What we've already looked at so far is... Uh, Again, it's all things that Peter's already kind of talked about up to this this point. And here it says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? I think this is a little bit difficult for us to understand. I know it's difficult for me to understand. What does it mean here? If we've been forgiven by Jesus, if we've been, if we've trusted in Him, He's washed us clean. He's made us new people. He's He's uh, caused us to be born again, and we have this future hope and all those things. Then why in the world is Peter saying, "For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God"? I think that uh, the passage that Tom read from is really maybe the key to understanding that. When Tom read verse 5 of that passage, it said, I am coming to judge you. And who was he coming to? He was coming to Israel. He was coming to the temple to judge. And in the previous verses before that, he was talking about coming as a refining fire. So just like what we see up above don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. You see, when, when God comes to judge the household of God first, He's coming as that refiner's fire. And although we pass through this judgment in the temporal reality, though we go through these trials and tribulations because of it, the work that God does through all of that burns away all of our impurities, burns away all of our sins, and leaves us shining like gold. Amen? He says the judgment begins at the household of God and that yet, 
If it begins with the household of, of God, then what's going to be the outcomes of, for those who don't obey the gospel of God? If, and by obeying the gospel of God, I think that means believing the gospel. Believing the gospel. Trusting in Jesus. So, the judgment comes first to believers, and, and we, we experience these, these trials and sufferings as a refining process, but what's it going to be? If it's going to, if it's going to be difficult and hard for us, then how much more so for those who are not believers? I think think what it it does here is it shows us the great severity of the judgment of God that's coming. Even us as Christians who've been forgiven, we still experience all this suffering, but oh, woe to the world who experiences this suffering and doesn't have God with them through it all. And doesn't have the Spirit giving them joy in the midst of it. And doesn't have all the things that we have that help us to be able to rejoice in the midst of suffering. And oh, here it says, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? They will be swept away. Verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We suffer in this life and whatever suffering we face, this is our mission. This is our marching order when it comes to suffering. Trust our souls to a faithful creator. God is good. He is faithful. He knows what He's doing. And I'm not going to make this, not, not going to let this suffer, suffering drive me into doing evil. I'm not going to let this suffering mean that I give up on God. I'm not going to let this suffering mean that I lash out in anger. Instead, Our marching orders when we face suffering are rejoice and trust that God is good. He'll bring us through. Like Noah as he went into the ark and he's carried through all the flood and the raging things around us and he came through on the other side. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who went into the fiery furnace And they came out smelling like roses. (laughs) They didn't even smell like the smoke. The fire was so hot, it killed the people who threw them in. And not a hair on their heads was singed. Trust that Jesus is with us. His Spirit is with us. We are forgiven. We are His children. And we can face whatever struggling, whatever temptation, whatever trial, whatever tribulation comes our way. We just trust that He is good. And He walks with us. Like He says at the end of the Great Commission, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.